coming up next on the Varsity Journal Podcast. Let's start off the show by saying this. Dan Snyder is the biggest loser in all of professional sports. The William Nylander saga. Okay, so I I don't have too much to say about this whole thing, but I have a solution for this kid. If my boss made a pay pay cut on me, then I wouldn't be able to afford rent. (laughs) That's just how it is. He's He's gonna sign that contract either today or tomorrow morning. And the second that he arrives in the locker room on Saturday, after he signs that contract, they need to beat the living shit out of him. What is happening, everybody? This is episode 14 of the Varsity Journal podcast. I am your host, Ryan Poirier. And uh, I am happy to be here with all you fine folks on this lovely Friday afternoon. Uh, Any of you guys watched the Great Cup last Sunday? I sure as hell didn't. Uh, I don't even know who won, to be honest with you. I think, who who won? Calgary won. Who gives a shit? Uh, You know what I did on Sunday night instead of watching the Great Cup? I did what I do every Sunday night in November when that time of year comes around. I watched Sunday night football. On NBC, because that's the only football I care about. Um, but, you know, about that Grey Cup, you know, for whatever reason, I, I still, I, I'll get these random text messages every now and then from this bar that I used to go to when I was living in Halifax. Like, anytime there's a promotion or whatever, I'll get a text and it'll be like, you know, this event is going down on this day. But for whatever reason, last weekend, I kept getting the same text messages telling me to book a fucking table to watch the Grey Cup. And I got about four messages on Saturday. And, I, you know, and then I got three more on, sun, on Sunday until, you know, I, f- I finally snapped. And I, I, mess- I messaged, I texted back. And I said, <laughs> okay, this is, what I, this is what I texted. Shut the fuck up. You messaged me four times about that already. Besides, nobody gives AF about the Grey Cup anyway. Don't need to reserve no damn table. That's that's what I texted the restaurant, and man, I was I was laughing when I sent that. I you know I was getting so mad because I would get I got about seven texts in two days, and anytime you get a text, you're like, you know, you get a little excited. You're like, who's this? And it's this fucking restaurant telling me to reserve a table to the Grey Cup. But fuck, I'm so stupid. I you know I because I felt bad. After I sent that, but every time, every time I started feeling bad about it, you know, I, I'd think about the text that I sent, and then I just started laughing again. I'm stupid. I'm easily amused. Um, anyway, uh, this has been a wild week in the world of sports, and you know, quite frankly, I've I've got a lot to get off my chest. So uh, I got so much to get off my chest, in fact, that we're not even gonna have a guest today. You know, it's just going to be me ranting. Um, you know, I've, I've got like five things written down. So let's just see how this one goes. Uh, may, maybe this is one of those where, where I didn't really prepare that much for this podcast. But hey, man, sometimes those are the most fun ones to do. Um, so uh, let's get this this thing underway. Um, let's let, end here is the biggest loser in all of professional sports. This guy is the most evil, corrupt piece of shit that has ever been a part of the NFL. And that's saying a hell of a lot. Write down a list of all of the evil bastards that have ever been a part of that corporation. Think about it. You know, this is a league that allowed players to participate in this barbaric sport for years and years without ever acknowledging the dangers of its repercussions to its athletes. They hid evidence. And then when real studies were made in the early 2000s about head injuries revealing what this game does to your brain, the NFL hired a team of so-called scientists just so they can counter any claims that were ever made against this sport being a contributor to any you know, long-term head or brain injuries. 
when players started shooting themselves, when there was a suicide contagion, the league still denied and denied and denied all of these facts that were coming out. So the reason I'm telling you all of this is because when I tell you that we're, we're dealing with some of the most evil, money-hungry bastards, I mean it. The NFL has had a lot of bad seats come and go from the sport, but none is worse than Dan Snyder. For those that don't know, Dan Snyder is the owner of the Washington Redskins, and that fact alone should already be a dead giveaway as to why this guy might rank as number one, as the biggest piece of shit that the NFL has ever had the dishonor of being associated with. You know, the most obvious racist team name in all of sports. Though, you know, hundreds and hundreds of protests have been made in the last decade for Snyder to change the name. He's never backed down. Because it's always been a pissing contest for this guy. This billionaire. That's right, he's a fucking billionaire. This guy's worth $2.2 billion dollars. You know, regardless of what he says, regardless of the reasons that he gives you for why he won't change the name of the Redskins, it has nothing to do with those reasons. It has nothing to do with tradition. It has nothing to do with the fact that he believes he's honoring Native Americans, when clearly he's not. It has nothing to do with the fact that he thinks that he's protecting the values of Washington Redskins fans and their apparent love for this mascot and, and the fact that you know, this, this team and this name has been around for 86 years. It has nothing to do with any of those reasons. The real reason and the only reason that this son of a bitch won't change the name of the Washington Redskins is because he's a greedy piece of shit. And he knows that if he changes the name, it will, it will cost the franchise hundreds of millions of dollars. And if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that this guy... It's the greediest piece of shit in all of professional sports. I'm going to give you a list of these facts about him. And may, you know, this might allow you to see that this guy is truly a one-of-a-kind piece of shit. In 2006, Dan Snyder ran ads marketing for the Washington Redskins 9-11 tribute hats. The hats online cost $23.99. It had an R on it with the United States, United States Pentagon you know, brazing on the side of the cap. It was a so-called tribute to the five-year anniversary of the 9-11 Twin Tower attacks that went down on September 11th. Um, so for a campaign profiting off patriotism dedicated to a terrorist attack, you'd assume, you would assume that the money would be going to the families of the victims of the deadly attacks. Or maybe... The money would be going towards um, the New York Fire Department. Or maybe the money will go towards, you know, the making of the new World Trade Center. Because at, in 2006, I don't think that the new World Trade Center was fully built yet. But no, the money didn't go to any of those places. The money went straight into Dan Snyder's slimy fucking pocket. This guy prostituted the 9-11 tribute caps to make money from it. He profited off of a terrorist attack. And if that's not the slimiest thing that one could do, what's next? Make a plush doll of a former Redskins player who died 11 years ago? Oh, wait. He did. Yeah, last week. I think it was... Maybe it was earlier on this week. Maybe, maybe, I think it might have been Monday, actually, that marked the 11th anniversary of the death of Sean Taylor, who is a former safety for the Washington Redskins, who tragically died 11 years ago. He was mercilessly shot in his own home after a home invasion. And for those of you guys who don't know Sean Taylor, this guy was one of the hardest-hitting, baddest dudes on the fucking planet. And if you, if you guys want to pay a real tribute to this dude, go on YouTube and search, you know, Sean Taylor hits 
or if you only got time for one hit, look up Sean Taylor Pro Bowl hit. In the NFL's All-Star game, a punter tried some shit that you should never try in the game of football, especially as a punter. He got a direct snap, and then he tried to run the ball to the outside, presumably thinking, you know, that he was all good just because this is the Pro Bowl, this is the All-Star game, it's supposed to be fun. He thought that he could try some goofy-ass shit. So this punter ditzy-dazzled to the sideline before Sean Taylor says, I'm not going to let a punter make a name off of me. And he sent this, this guy inside the fuck out. And he showed the world that no matter what kind of game this is, whether this is a pro ball or all-star game, who gives a shit? A punter isn't going to, you know, get a direct snap and run on me for a first down. Um, so that, that, that was, that is currently, that, that's the greatest hit that you will ever see in, uh, in an NFL all-star game. Um, so if you really want to, you know, honor the late, great Sean Taylor, go do that. Watch some tribute videos of him. Cause this guy was, he was a one of a kind. Uh, if you want to be a slime ball, like Dan Snyder then sell a plush doll that looks absolutely nothing like Sean Taylor and sell it online. I swear to God that's something that he did. Look it up. Look it up for yourselves. Uh, so th- this is what Dan Snyder, he, to honor the 11-year death of Sean Taylor, Dan Snyder decided to sell a fucking shitty-ass plush doll with, you know, just picture this doll. Wearing a Sean Taylor jersey. He sold that online. He profited off this guy's death. And guess if any of that money was going to go to some charity or not. In Sean Taylor's name. Absolutely not. And, uh, you know, the, the plug was, was pulled on the, on the sale of that plush doll almost immediately. No shit. Um, so you add all of those things and there you have it. Dan Snyder is an evil, evil son of a bitch, but guess what? That's not all because he did something far worse than all of those things. Just three days ago, in fact, on Tuesday, you know, before I get into that, being a Niner, 49ers fan this year, I was, I was proud of them on Sunday. And believe me, they haven't done a lot to make me proud in recent memory. Especially this year, considering our 2-9 or, or record. But on Sunday, they finally they decided to pull the plug on Reuben Foster. Now believe me, when I woke up on Sunday morning, and that was the first thing that I read... You better believe me. I, w- I was cursing John Lynch, our general manager, and I was cursing Kyle Shanahan because you guys drafted this guy. You, you, you knew the problems that he was bringing into the locker room, and now you decide to give up on him less than two years into his career with the team. But then I learned why they gave up on him, and I read the story, and it was because uh, this was the second time this year that he's been found with the same domestic dispute claim by the same woman. Back in February, um, you know, however, she, she made the claims and then she soon dropped them. But now she's got marks on her. She's got slap marks across her chest. And now you can kind of read between the lines. Okay? Now, now it's a little more understanding why she would have recanted her original claims back in February. Because when you're in an abusive household, those are just things that happen. Those are things that would make sense if they happened at least. You know, the abuser will put pressure on their victim. You know, hey baby, I'm sorry. You you know how much I love you. Or or maybe they'll threaten to beat them even worse if, if they don't take back what they said. So back in February when, when Reuben Foster was... Uh, alleged involved in allegedly involved in this domestic violence dispute the woman that had made those claims she took them back 
And, um, you know, it's sad because this woman is clearly a product. She's a product of abuse. And, you know, I'm, I'm kicking myself now because I should have been pissed at the 49ers back in February. You know, I, I should have never bought those lies that were, that were clearly dished out. And I should have been on board with them cutting Foster back then. Um, but they gave this guy another chance. And so did I, because I, I believed him. And, and I, I wanted to believe... I wanted to believe that this guy wasn't a domestic abuser. Um, but, you know, as much as I admired this guy... And I admired his unprecedented talents and his unprecedented ability as a linebacker. He's a piece of shit. He's a woman beater. And, you know, I don't, I don't care who you are. If you lay your hands on a woman, then objectively you're a piece of shit. <coughs> um, and that's what Ruben Foster is to me now. So after I read the full story, I was happy with Shanahan. I was happy with John Lynch. I was happy with the organization's decision to cut him. Uh, you know, did we just release a first round pick from last year and get absolutely nothing out of it? Yes. But at the same time, we probably should have never taken that chance on him anyway. Uh, so less than two days after um, Ruben Foster gets arrested for those domestic abuse allegations, guess who comes sliding in and signing this guy? Just guess. Oh, Dan Snyder? Yes. The Washington Redskins? Yes. I'm telling you guys, when I told you at the beginning of this podcast that this guy's the biggest piece of shit in sports, now do you understand? Because I wasn't lying. Um, and listen to this. This was a statement that was made by the Washington Redskins after they signed him. I'll, I'll sum this statement up for you as best as I can. Uh, today we have claimed the rights to, L to linebacker Reuben Foster. The Redskins fully understand the severity of the recent allegations made against Reuben. If true, you can be sure these allegations are nothing our organization would ever condone. And nothing, end quote, and nothing after that do they say, you know, if those are true, you can be sure that we'll never play them again. No. They just say that they'll, they, they'll never condone those actions. Then they go on and they say that the reason that they hired, or the reason that they signed Reuben Foster, was because they spoke and they had numerous conversations, can candid conversations, according to this statement, with former, uh, former Alabama teammates of Reuben Foster and current Redskins players who had played with Reuben Foster on Alabama. And after speaking with them, they said, we are hopeful being around we're hopeful that Ruben being around so many of his former teammates and friends will eventually provide him with the best possible environment to succeed both personally and professionally. End quote. Listen, dude. Since when is a player's former, you know, his former teammates, since when did they, when are they the, uh, the people that you that you listen to when you're making a moral decision. You know, how, how many of these players do you think knew what Reuben Foster was doing to his wife? I'm going to go ahead and say probably zero. Okay? So you, you have all these teammates, right, that, that you're trusting, and you, you trust them enough to sign this guy two days after he's involved in this domestic dispute, right? And do you think that by listening to what they have to say about Reuben Foster, you think that 
that, oh, they know the real Ruben Foster. So, you know, us signing him, he'll, he'll be able to succeed and, and prosper on this team. Well, listen, those guys didn't know the real Ruben Foster because they didn't know that he was beating his wife. So the fact that you would talk to ex-teammates of Ruben Foster to try and get, you know, the real version of this guy, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Because this guy beat the shit out of his wife. Okay? And you're talking to ex-teammates who knew him in the locker room. They didn't know him as the guy who beat the shit out of his wife. Okay? So you can't say that that now makes you more morally correct in this situation because what you're doing is you're not you're not looking at this situation how you should be looking at it it doesn't it that doesn't make any sense that you would talk to his former teammates and that's the reason that you're signing this guy cuz those guys didn't fucking know that this guy was a woman abuser you know, one one of one of the quotes in that uh, in that whole statement that amazed me. Uh, quote: If true, you can be sure these allegations are nothing our organization would ever condone. End quote. Okay, but we're still gonna allow this woman beater to make millions of dollars, and you know, very similar to our racist team name, we don't give a shit about upholding to any moral decency whatsoever. So fuck you, Dan Snyder. Fuck you. You are a piece of shit. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, something else we got to talk about because I'm, I'm done. I'm done with Dan Snyder. Don't ever want to talk about that guy again. Uh, next up, we have the William Nylander saga. Okay. So I, I don't have too much to say about this whole thing, but I have a solution for this kid. For, for those that don't know this whole story, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into it because it's a Toronto Maple Leafs story and you guys all know I hate the Leafs and I think that this story is garnering way more attention than than it deserves. Um, also, if you're a sportsman and you live in Canada, where the fuck have you been if you haven't heard about this story? Because it is all over Sportsnet, it is all over TSN. And because it's a Leaf story, you already know that this story is going to get shoved down your throat. And, you know, whether you give a rat's ass about it or not, uh, you're going to know the entirety of this story just by watching an episode of Sportsnet or SportsCenter. Um, so, essentially, William Nylander has been holding out since the beginning of the season. Uh, he's been absent for all of Toronto's 26, 26 games this year. And, you know, I might get a couple of these crucial facts wrong, uh, but I think that I have a good enough grasp on this story. Um, but anyway, this is the situation. William Nylander, he basically wants a long-term contract, and the Leafs want to give that. He, they want to give him a long-term contract, but, you know, Nylander thinks that he's in the $9, $10 million per year range, but the Leafs... They can't give him nine to ten million dollars because they already have so many guys coming off a, ye a year where they're going to be UFAs, unrestricted free agents. So they need to save that cap space. Uh, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Kasri Kapanen, all these guys need new contracts next year. Not to mention they just gave way too much money to John Tavares and Patrick Marlowe. So the Leafs organization can only really afford to offer Nylander under $7 million. Nylander thinks he's worth way more, yada, yada. Uh, anyways, he has until Saturday, he has until tomorrow to sign uh, if, if he wants to play in the NHL this season. Uh, what I'm not getting here is why aren't Leafs fans being more hard on this asshole, you know? Why is all the shit that I'm reading on Twitter like, hey, how would you feel if your boss asked you to take a pay cut? Huh? Hey, Leafs fans, wake the fuck up and smell the roses. This is the NHL. Okay? 
Um, if my boss made a pay a pay cut on me, then I wouldn't be able to afford rent. <laughs> like, that's just how it is. Okay. Um, since when has this become a league where everyone who thinks they're an all star, they have to make that ten million dollar mark? Why? Why do they all have to reach that ten million dollar mark? Um. Because the salary cap in the NHL, you compare that to the salary cap in, say, the NBA, it is extremely low. Um, so no team can afford having all of their all-stars make at least $10 million a year. And it's almost like ever since that Connor McDavid, you know, he signed that big contract. Every, every player now thinks that that's the goal, to emulate Connor McDavid's contract. Connor McDavid, he, you know, he... He's getting paid $12.5 million for eight years. You know, that's those are the two big things right there. You know, you get the you get the long-term deal and you get the big money. Um, well, guess what? The NHL isn't the NBA. They aren't going to raise the salary cap up to $15 million to allow teams to compete with that. So here's my thing. Uh, this is what I think the Leafs need to do as an organization. They need to stop pampering this 22-year-old kid. That's right. This guy's 22 fucking years old. Okay? That's why I have zero sympathy for this kid who's taking a quote-unquote pay cut. Because guess what? He's a friggin' millionaire, and he's going to be a millionaire. So the team needs to stop saying how excited they are for when he returns. Uh, Mike Babcock, head coach of the Leafs, he needs to stop saying that he thinks that Nylander is going to be a Leaf forever. You know, all this PR shit. They need to get real with this little shit. And they need to start saying how they really feel about this situation. Because here's a fact for you, okay? Patrick Marlowe, who's currently 39 years old, uh, he's the Leafs' oldest player. When, guess what? When he was 22 years old, he wasn't making $6.5 million a year like he is now. He was making $1.4 million. But guess what? I bet you he was pretty damn content with it back then in 2002 or 2001, whenever it was. Because he got to line up with Owen Nolan. And together, they were pretty damn good. You know, Marlowe, he wasn't making much money, but he was on a team that was winning. And there was a lot of good guys on the team that year. They, they ended up finishing third in the Western Conference. And guess what? Everybody took a pay cut because they had to. But nobody cared because that was the way that the NHL was back then. You didn't have players making... $10 million a year. You know, this was basically communism at its finest in terms of everybody making the, the same thing and everybody prospering from it. Um, and the boys realized that to have a good team like that, everyone must make a sacrifice. You must take that pay cut. Can't be greedy. So here's what I think that Patrick Marlowe the, and Mike Babcock need to do to this little punk ass kid he will eventually sign that contract because he's not gonna miss out on millions of dollars this year he's gonna he's gonna sign that contract either today or tomorrow morning and the second that he arrives in the locker room on saturday after he signs that contract they need to beat the living shit out of him and they need de- they need to hang that little 22 year old on his locker and fuck him up Bring in Ron Hainsey. I think Ron Hainsey's like 40 years old. He's a defense defenseman on the Leafs. Let, let him take slap shots at William Nylander while he's hanging in his fucking locker. You know, anyone in the Leafs organization who's over the age of 35, bring them in. Let them have free reigns on beating the shit out of this little fuck. And when they're done, they tell him that if he knows what's good for him, He'll sign that long-term deal in the offseason for $6.5 million. No more. No more than that. And if he doesn't, then Ron Haynes, he gets free reigns of taking slap shots on him in his locker. But guess what? None of that's going to happen. You know why? Because none of you Leafs fans are asking for it. You guys are babying him. And when he inevitably does return to the ice on Saturday, you're all going to welcome him with open arms. 
and it makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, moving on from that, let's talk about a fun story. Uh, so, as you guys know, I, since, since, since May, uh, since, since I've moved to Ottawa, Ottawa's a weird place, man. Um, it just is. There's, there's a lot of homeless dudes that kind of just hang, hang around one particular area of Ottawa. It's not like Toronto. You know, you can at least, Toronto, man, you, you go 20 minutes in any direction and you're going to find a homeless guy. Ottawa, you go, you, you can escape the craziness, but you know, I live downtown, so I'm just always, always, you know, seeing, seeing shit. I, I can't escape from it. You know, sometimes it's entertaining and sometimes it's just weird. And, uh, this past Saturday was weird. Um, I, I was casually walking down the street on Saturday and I came across this, this streetlight pole and, uh, there was a piece of paper that somebody had typed out. They typed it out like on word, they printed it out. No idea how they printed it out. Cause the person that wrote this was clearly clinically insane um, <clears throat> and then they taped it, they printed it out and then they taped it onto this pole as if this was like a message for the world, uh, for everyone to read. So I came across this pole and I saw this and I don't think that I could have been any more confused because this might be the most insane crazy thing that I've ever come across. Definitely the most insane thing that I've ever come across in Ottawa. Um, <clears throat> this is what it said. <laughs> I'm going to read everything quote to end quote. They start off title. There's not a title. That's literally what it says. It says title colon. I bet. No title colon. I think you people have issues with blaming hip hop music. Dash, 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 dash. It not cool to sag your pants and try to blame it on kids' fashion, space S. Teenager fashions, dash, dash, dash. Adults even still go throw, T-A-H-R-O-W, this fashion, dash, dash. People deal with real pain walking around. Dash, 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 dash. No one stopped to think why it started in the first place. Ellipses, dot, dot, dot. Adults can't even teach right from wrong. Dash, 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 dash. Most people try to convince it really cool to wear... What is this guy talking about? Most people try to convince it really cool to wear your pant jeans joggers that way. Ellipses. I know people get mixed signals, dot, dot. Do people even realize, do people even realize real heroes or know how to start looking up to people in the first place? Dot, 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 dot. In stand of not being real people, ellipses. Plus you try blaming people for doing crack for being in plain. What? Dude, I feel like I'm on acid reading that. What does that mean? Who went, who somehow found a computer, because whoever wrote this clearly is a crazy homeless person. How did they find a computer? Who let them on that computer and, and get into Word and type this out and print it? Was it the library? Why isn't the library monitoring this kind of shit? There's so many questions, but we're going to move on from that because that's, that's crazy talk. Um, all right, so this next thing is a story that I want to share. And if this goes well, then I'm going to bring this segment back. I don't know if I'm going to bring it back every week because I don't often find this craziest stuff. I, I, I find a lot of stuff on Wikipedia, but I'd, nothing usually to this extent. This might be like a once in a month thing. So if, 
this segment goes well, then maybe we'll I'll uh, bring this segment back every, every couple of weeks or every month. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so like I was saying, one of my favorite things to do is you know just get trapped in in this Wikipedia rabbit hole. You know, I, I know a lot of people do it with YouTube and they get trapped in these YouTube rabbit holes. For me, it's Wikipedia, man. Uh, I don't know what it is about Wikipedia um, that I find so interesting, but uh, there's just certain things that I like reading about people and, sorry, I'm just fixing the mic here. There's just, I like reading about people's personal lives that you don't often know about them. And if you ever go to the personal category on Wikipedia on on someone's wiki page, then you'll find some interesting shit. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I, I get obsessed and fascinated with really random things every now and then. And then I'll go on these random Wikipedia binges and I'll read some crazy things on there. And, you know, I, I just almost always forget to share them with other people. Um, but I'm going to share this story because it happened last night. Uh, you know, lately I've been really into like old comedians, like Richard Pryor and um, Sam Kinison, Ronnie Dangerfield. And uh, so last night I got into readings about some old comedians. Um, and, you know, like Ronnie Dangerfield and Sam Kinison, you know, the, these guys were, they were best friends back in the day. And, <clears throat> you know, they both made their careers as comedians. And back in the late 80s and early 90s, these guys were the two of the best in the business. I mean, you know, Rodney Dangerfield, this guy's one of the greatest entertainers to ever live. Uh, and, you know, I've always known about this guy, Sam Kinison. Like, you, you hear this guy's voice, and instantly you're like, oh, I've heard this guy before. Um, but I, I, I never read his full, I never read his story. So for those who don't know Sam Kinison, uh, I'm just going to play a short clip and you'll recognize him. He, uh, you'll recognize his voice right away. This guy, he had that trademark lung scream. He almost sounded like a rock star. Uh, so here he is. And in my bag, she packed a loaded 38. So this vicious little fucking bitch that forgave me and everything's going to be the same. So I'm going through customs, you know, or whatever that the x-ray thing. I walk through the box, now that's going on, wait for my bag, all of a sudden, he's got a gun! He's got a fucking gun! Alright, so you guys kind of get the point. Um, Sam Kinison, he, he was a guy, he like, just to give you a visual uh, on him, he, he always wore like a paper boy hat, and he wore like wool suits. Uh, this guy just had a bizarre style, but, um, anyway, he, uh, he, he, he had a super interesting life and I was reading about him last night. So Sam Kinison, he used to be a Pentecostal preacher and you can almost hear that preacher voice in his stand-up routines. I mean, every comedian has a crazy backstory because you, you almost need a backstory in order to, to tell comedy. And you need a place where all those crazy stories derive from. Oftentimes, many comedians' stories are very, or their backstories are very dark. I mean, Richard Pryor, for instance, this guy grew up in a fucking uh, brothel. And his mom was a prostitute. And that's how she, uh, that's how she made money. Um, but, you know, I don't think I've ever heard of somebody who was a former preacher. That's a... Crazy story. Anyway, uh, Sam Kinison, he ultimately died tragically in, um, in a car accident when he was only 38 years old. And as crazy as this guy's entire life was, his death almost encompassed all of that craziness. Um, and if you go on his Wikipedia and you read about his death, it's pretty amazing. So I'm going to do that for you right now. Because this story is way too crazy to just not share with you guys. Um, so on Friday, April 10th, 1992, Kinnison died at the age of 38 after his white 19... 
89 Pontiac 20th anniversary turbo Trans Am was struck head on US Route 95 northwest of Needles, California by a pickup truck driven by 17-year-old Troy Pearson who had been drinking alcohol. The pickup truck crossed the center of line of the roadway and went into Kinnison's lane. At the time of the collision, Kinnison was traveling to Laughlin, Nevada to perform a sold-out show. Wow. Kinnison was found lying between the seats of his car at the scene of the collision. He was not killed instantly, according to his brother. His brothers and others begged him to lie down, and he did with his friend, Carl Lebove, who had been in the following van, holding his head in his hands. So, just to give you guys another visual, I think there was a van uh, that was um, trailing uh, Kinnison's car, and then they they came on to the, the scene of this collision. Anyway, uh, I'm just going to continue this story. Um, initially, Kinnison appeared to have suffered no serious injuries, but within minutes, he s- suddenly said to no one particular, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Lebov later said, it was as if he was having a conversation, talking to someone else, some unseen person. And then there was a pause as if Kinnison was listening to the other person speak. And then he asked out loud, but why? And after another pause, Lebov heard him clearly say, okay, okay, okay. Lebov said, the last okay was so soft and at peace. Whatever voice was talking to him gave him the right answer and he just relaxed with it. He said it so sweet like he was talking to someone he loved. Kinnison then lost consciousness. Efforts to resuscitate him failed. Kinnison died at the scene from internal injuries. An autopsy found that he had suffered numerous traumatic injuries, including a dislocated neck, a torn aorta, a torn blood vessel in his abdominal cavity, which caused his death within minutes of the collision. His wife, whom he had married six days earlier, was rendered unconscious by the collision, but survived the accident with a mild concussion. Peterson, Troy Peterson, the 17-year-old that killed him, pled guilty to one count of vehicular manslaughter with gross negligence. He was sentenced to one year of probation and 300 hours of community service, and his driver's license was suspended for two years. Um, Yeah, that's that, man. It's a crazy story. Um, You read stories like that, man, and, and it just makes you think, you know. We're all mortal at the end of the day. Um, and we all have that end date at some point in our lives, but nobody ever expects to go out that young, especially when your career is at that point. I mean, Sam Kinison, he made it like this guy, he made it went from being a Pentecostal preacher to being one of the biggest performers in the world. Um, you, you know, you, you can't get any bigger than he was. And he was on his way to a sold-out show, for God's sake. And for all that to be taken away from him in the matter of minutes, just, you know, from this 17-year-old kid who had been drinking and driving, it's a damn shame, man. It's unbelievable. And for the 17-year-old to never have faced any justice of any kind, you know, this kid, he goes on probation. He has his license suspended for two years. And he ultimately, he spends no time in jail. Um... You know, I know this story isn't newsworthy at all. You know, this, fuck, some of you guys might already know about this story. But it happened 26 years ago, and that's just the kind of shit that interests me. Um, but you look back, and I mean, this guy, he he had gotten married six days earlier. And I don't think that anybody ever wants to see their loved one die, you know. But... It was as if Sam Kinison was surrounded by all these, based on this Wikipedia story, it was as if Sam Kinison was surrounded by a lot of people that he loved while he was dying. And as scary 
as that would have been in the moment where he's dying. There's this beautiful moment that that is occurring, and he's he's ultimately, you know, according to Carl above, if if this is true, he's ultimately talking to someone who's who's taking him away. You know, he's saying, "Yeah, I don't want to die," and then whoever he's talking to, and he's not talking to anyone that's around him. He's talking to this, this figure, I guess, that he can see as he's dying. And then that person just takes him away and they're able, you know, Kinnison is at peace with it all. And I mean, you take this story with a grain of salt. I mean, it's on Wikipedia for God's sake, but fuck, I mean, if I ever die, God forbid, at the age of 38 years old, or if anyone I love died at the age of 38 years old, um, there's just something in this story about the peacefulness and the way that he went. Um, it's just kind of beautiful in a way. Extremely sad, but, you know, I, I wonder if that happened. I mean, who knows, man? Who knows? I mean, Kinnison, don't think this guy was on any drugs, but who knows? I, I'd like to believe that story at least, but um, I don't know. Some interesting shit. That's, uh, that's the Wikipedia rabbit hole. That's, <clears throat> man, I, I always find crazy stuff like that, but that, that, was, that was a pretty cool one uh, that I read last night. Um, but anyway, let's Let's move on from that. Maybe we'll do that again. Uh, we'll see. Um, you want a current news story? How about this one? Uh, some of you guys might have heard this story already. Um, so this fucking woman, um, her and her daughter are boarding a plane on, uh, they're boarding a Southwest Airlines plane. And her daughter's name is A, B, C, D, E. Okay. And uh, I guess some of the Southwest um, Airlines employees were disrespectful to A, B, C, D. And uh, the mother then uh, made, made a little video about it. So I cut about halfway into this video and... I'm going to play about a minute of it here for you just to give you kind of the gist on um, on this story. While I was sitting there, she took a picture of my boarding pass and chose to post it on social media, uh, mocking my daughter. And this is before my flight even took off. So people knew where I was traveling, um, where my layover travel times um, my rapid rewards information was shared, my daughter's, as well as my name. Um, in the comments, she wrote my daughter's age, she wrote my daughter's gender, um, and just a bunch of additional information. Comments were made such as, like, the parent should be slapped, um, reroute them, um, things of that nature. So she does have a unique name. Her name is Absidy. Um, it's spelled A-B-C-D-E, um, but pronounced Absidy. There's not a family history behind it. I know the name has been used quite often now throughout the U.S., especially in Hawaii. But I've said I was going to name my child Absidy um, if I had a girl since I was a kid myself. I think I was like eight when I said um, for the first time that's what I was going to name my daughter. Um, and her nickname was going to be Abby Joe because her name is Absidy Joe. Her name was A-B-C-D-E. Pronounced Absidy. Shut the fuck. What did you fucking expect? Okay. It's super shitty of this airline, sure, to... Super shitty of this company, I guess, to take away your boarding pass and take pictures of it and the fact that you got to see them posting it on social media. But what did you expect? I mean, there are shitty people in this world... But that's what you sign up for when you give your kid the name A-B-C-D-E, you fucking psycho. That's you being selfish as shit, 
okay? Because you want to be the parent who has a kid with a unique name. But who has to pay the repercussions for all of this? Your fucking kid does. A, B, C, D, E has to pay the repercussions for all of this. Not you. That's why giving your kid a name like that is the most cruel thing that you can do. And guess what? This woman is a psycho if she doesn't understand that. And if you think that your kid getting bullied behind their back even when you're, even when you're around, if you think that's bad, imagine what's going to happen to this kid as she grows up. Like, listen, lady, you made this bed and you got to take responsibility and you got to lay in it. Change the fucking name. Is it really that hard to do? Because obviously ABCDE, Absidy, didn't garner the positive attention that you had originally anticipated. So now it's time to change that damn name because obviously you were wrong. I'm not blaming Southwest Airlines. It's 100% this woman's fault. Um, I mean, shame on Southwest, Air- Southwest Airlines to make fun of the kid because she's a kid. Like, at least wait for the kid to be away. But come on. Did this woman really expect anything different when she's essentially giving her kid a name like, you know, hey, look at me, gives her one of those kind of names? I'm going to name my kid fucking G-H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O-P. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, man, that's, that's all the current news I got. That's pretty much everything I've got for you guys today. Um, what's going on this weekend? There's a uh, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, man, for the boxing heavyweight title. That's going down tomorrow night. It's going to be a wild one, man. Uh, if you've never seen a Don- Deontay Wilder fight, I would highly recommend that you look him up and you look at some of his highlights and his KOs and uh, the same thing for Tyson Fury, man. Uh, You look at this guy's physique and you're like, this guy could pass for a local maintenance guy. Uh, Certainly doesn't have the body of a fighter. And then you just watch him fight. You're like, holy shit. And then you realize this was the guy who ended Vladimir Klitschko's 11-year win streak. Yeah, someone's always got to go, as they say. Uh, Tyson Fury is 27-0. Deontay Wilder is 40-0. It's going to be a brawl, man. I I can't wait for that one. Um, That's it, man. Hey, guys, as always, I appreciate you uh, sticking around for this one. It's been a blast. Have a good weekend, everybody. Peace.